What's up, guys? Alex Contreras alongside Eli Sussman. Welcome to another episode of Marlin's Barbecue. How about those fish, Eli? It feels good. It feels good to see my fish. They're fighting fish. Kick a little bit of ass. We're treading water. We're hurt, but we're fighting. Yeah, checking in here on, on Monday, heading into another long road trip. And they, if you had told me entering the season, uh, well, entering today, that they'd play most of their games without Starling Marte. They'd play almost half of their games without Jazz. They'd be playing entirely without Sixto, without Eliezer Hernandez and all that. And they'd still be just three games back of the NL East lead. I mean, I would take that in a heartbeat. So all things considered, man, uh, this has been an exciting start to the season. Uh, I think people following along the team closely know that they're playing even better than the record suggests. We're going to get into that, you know, all these close games that they've been dropping. But for the most part, I mean, they look dominant at times. You, you can really see like all this talent that they got from different directions, the veterans and the rookies and those guys in between kind of all coalescing around each other to put together a pretty good team. I think the team's even better than last year, to be honest with you. It's a, it's a really exciting team, the energy that they bring to the field. It's a shame that Jazz got hurt. Um, I, I was lucky enough to go, to get back to Miami just in time for the homestand against the D-backs. And the first thing I did as soon as I landed in Miami was go straight to Lone Depot Park. All right, call me crazy, man. But I was craving some Marlins baseball. And what a good way to see the guys go on a freaking – it was a three-game three, three game win streak uh, in front of me. It was also – they won, what, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, and then they lost Saturday. Sunday but hey I'll take the three and two record I was super amped to see him the energy that that was at Marlins Park in general just going out there as a fan living the whole experience again it felt good to feel the energy the vibe a couple tweaks at the stadium obviously you know obviously with all the sanitation and the COVID procedures and everything um, but in general man it felt great to see the Marlins and be back at the depot yeah, well, I want you to get into that a little bit because we're still just barely a month into the year and under these new this new reality of attending games. And hopefully it will just be for this season that, you know, they got these special uh, precautionary measures before we can kind of return back to normal next year. But, I mean, a lot of people haven't had the chance to go to games this year just because of the limited capacity and how early it is in the year. The fact that they're playing most of their games on the road, um, you obviously, you went back, you went there, what you just said, what, like five straight days? You went back and back and back <laughs> again. So it must have been a pretty decent setup. Could you just like walk people through what differences you noticed? Um, and I mean, obviously it all kind of worked out, but just to get people on the same page in case they're already looking forward to going to a game the next time that the Marlins are back home again. So I, I saw that they opened up a new team store out there by left field. It was pretty cool. It was pretty popping. I saw that there's a lot more advertisement on the Marlins. Uh, Keep Escape Breweries, like, all over the stadium. Um, there's a lot of propaganda, obviously, because we, we're now Lone Depot Park, um, to a point where it kind of it, it kind of a little bit bothered me because there was so much Lone Depot Park and all the LED on the LED boards, right, that I feel like we could have used it to put up, like, some stats, Right. Speaking of that, like the, I was, I was there enjoying the game with a, with a few friends, and like long story short, a lot of them would ask me, "Hey, where's this player from?" Right, like FVCL Garcia from the Brewers. He was like, he has to be either Cuban or Venezuelan, you know, just because of the FVCL. And I started laughing. I was like, yeah, you know, he, I believe he's Venezuelan. So yeah. like you Google it, and yeah, he's Venezuelan. Great. So, but I was like, one feature that I miss that back in the day we used to put on a scoreboard where the yeah. batter was from. Yep. So, like, I feel like sometimes we do it maybe for the Marlins, but what's up with the, with the out-of-towners, you know what I'm saying, the out-of-town players? People ask themselves, who is this guy? So it's kind of cool to have that information there. Um, another thing that I kind of missed, another thing that I kind of missed was um, the, 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 the home run, like, the, I'm sorry, the K-meters, right? They used yeah, to be you, mentioned, you mentioned that on Twitter about uh, like, keeping track of the Ks, yeah. Yeah, like we got Taylor, uh, Trevor Rogers on the mound, right? He's kicking ass. He's getting strikeouts. It's everybody's amped up to see him strike guys out, and you you see the 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 the, the fans standing up and applauding. Like, man, I haven't seen that culture around. Period. Like, we need to bring that back to the stadium. Why don't we have it on the digital boards? Like, fans need to know how many strikeouts we have. Only the diehards really know. Maybe you're following along with the MLB app, and that's cool. But not everybody's doing that, and 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 I feel like we miss the K action, you know what I'm saying? Like we would put up the K's out in Jose's heroes out in left field. Um, 
what it's called the power what is it called now i don't know if it's called the power alley what, what it's called but um well I, I, it's next to auto nation alley it's kind of but <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah but i'm saying why, why 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 don't we bring that culture back i think that's something that the, that the marlins front office needs to think about the marketing team need, needs to think about and speaking of marketing i'm sorry that i'm going on a rant right now but it was like yo the the the, the, the i went to five games in a row enjoyed every single game it was worth every single dollar for me right but one game I went by myself, when one, I went with a few friends, when one, you know what I'm saying? It was like a d- different variety. And um, I invited my, my friend with his, his two little girls and like, man, it came out to be like super hefty. It was like, dang, it was like 180, 180 for like five tickets. And I was like, holy cow, but we got some great views, right? But it was like, why isn't it possible for us to maybe lower the prices? I know there's some some tickets were maybe 10 bucks on that homestand, right? They sent 10 bucks, but then they get you with the, you know, a process fee or whatever. And then it turns into 23 bucks. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, all right. So if it's one person, it doesn't really bother you, but then you take out the whole fam and it's like, all right, here's 40 bucks, go get you something girls. And it's like, they come back with a couple sodas and two, two boxes of candies. And then they give you two bucks back. It's like, whoa, you know? So it kind of adds up if you, you're bringing your whole family. And I think we should bring, we should bring back some more family-friendly deals. Like the 305 menu is cool, but it, like I, I crushed a couple hot dogs. I'm not gonna lie, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I passed on the on the five dollar Budweiser because I was enjoying the nice IPAs. I had the the regatta out there at the Biscayne Brewery. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Uh, <laughs> it has um yeah. I'll, I'll have to get the details on that. I saw them promoting it. It sounds like a yeah really really unique blend that they got there. Uh, I. But- but, but, just, but just to end it, but just to end my point real quick, um, what I was getting at is like, all right, so the game starts, right? So let's say the, the ticket's 40 bucks, right? The game starts, why not give the option to let the fan buy the ticket at a cheaper price, at a discounted price, right? Let's, instead of it being 40 bucks, now the game started, it's 20 bucks now. You know what I'm saying? Why not? Let's get as many people in the stadium as possible. That's the idea. You want people to go in there, spend money, get the experience, and watch Marlins win. At the end of the game, at the end of the day, they they went three and two when I went to those five games, and they were in in every single game, and I was proud of them, and I was proud to to enjoy that whole experience. But it's just like a little rant that I think that if we really need to be juntos, Miami, we need to think a little bit more about our community too. Think about that pop that's working his ass off, or that mom working at that double shift just to bring that meal. You know what I'm saying? Like now it only turns into I can't take the kids to the Marlins games more than once a year because it gets a little pricey. Right. Yeah, I'll have to double check this once we get done. I think they may be opening up some extra spots at, at on the highest level uh, of the stadium on, in the upper deck for people that haven't been open yet with the next home stand. I'm going to have to double check that once we get off, though. I don't want to give people bad information, but they might be open up, opening up more cheaper spots for this next home stand than they had currently. I mean- just to just to, if, if we're really gonna go into the whole ticket thing, like I, I bought some tickets out in right field and the right field tickets what was it section 32, I think it was. Um, maybe it's closer to right center or something like that. But it was like 10 bucks for that. Then the next day it was like 14. Then it went up to 20. Um, and then the, then I got the bleacher seats up in the 300s, the section three, 305. Yeah, right. So it was like, but all right, but the section 305 was 24 bones. Right. So, so anyway, just throwing that out there, man. I'm not, not throwing no blend. I'm still happy with my fish. I was happy out there. I, I happily spent my money, you know, uh, invested into this team. And uh, check out this, this fresh little hat. It's a Mother's Day edition, you know, yeah. for the mother uh, 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 fighting breast cancer awareness and all that in general. So shout out to the Marlins, man. Look special, little, little hint of pink. Yeah, well, that's a good transition into one of the guys we wanted to get into in this moment. And he's having his moment. Right now, Lewis Brinson, he was the one that he was the only one that helped the offense on Mother's Day. They ended up losing that game in extra innings, but he hits a no doubt solo home run. He has three hits in that game in total. All of a sudden, man, he's playing, he's getting in the starting lineup pretty consistently. And uh, you look at his numbers overall, and they're not that great, but they're more or less what they were last year, if not a little bit better. Um, I'm someone that I've made my opinions on Brinson pretty clear that I just think he's a really limited player. And uh, obviously an incredible guy and someone that has local connections and people can easily root for, but I've kind of, you know, gone past the idea of him ever being a significant piece of this team moving forward. 
but I just wanted to hear about you seeing him up close. He had a really, aside from that game, you know, he had a, actually a pretty good week overall, like for those few games prior to that. Are you falling in love with Brinson all over again? How, how are you feeling about how he's producing with uh, Marte still out of here? Hey, man, I don't know if I'm, I would say falling in love, man. I'm not trying to fall into nothing, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'll tell you this about Lewis Brinson. He has had a little bit of a different approach, all right? He's he's had a slight spark, you know, so to, so to say, to this lineup. And on offense, um, I was watching him in person, and I got to admit, you know, I got on him a little bit, right? When Right before he hit that home run, I was trying so hard to find the audio, man, but I was just yelling at him. I was like, come on. I was like, come on, Brinson. What do you want to go back to Jacksonville? And like, he took a terrible swing and I just started yelling. Jumbo shrimp, jumbo shrimp, jumbo shrimp, man. And then like these little kids like behind me started chatting, jumbo shrimp, yo. So I'm getting like, we got a momentum people saying jumbo shrimp and Brinson just blast one to center field, like on an off-speed pitch, I don't know if it was a curveball, changeup. He drills it to center field, and he just starts pointing. Like his helmet came off, he starts pointing towards the stands. I don't know who he was pointing at me, or he was pointing at the ball. I don't know who he was pointing at. But I feel like I lit like a little bit of a fire, that then that was awesome for him to respond that way, you know? And like he got into the dugout, and he was amped up, and I was so happy to see him respond. Like I felt like that frustrated, like uh, the major league fan. Come on, Wild Thing, you stink! You know what I mean? Like I was like yeah. that. And he like responded, like, I felt so proud of him. You know what I'm saying? And then like the next time he came up to bat, I tried to do it again. I was like, I bet you can't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously he did it, but you know what I mean? Like, hey, hey, Brinson, you know, if, if, if you see this, if you hear this, man, you know what I'm saying? It's all, you know, just motivational. I'm trying to pump you up, baby, trying to pump up these fish. And sometimes guys need to hear something like that. Everybody has different strategies as managers. And like we can sit here and talk about this all day. Like if you if you talk about the styles, like Don Mattingly, what would Don Mattingly's approach be to like a Lewis Brinson as compared to maybe like a, a flamboyant Ozzy Guillen, right? Maybe Ozzy would be straight blunt and just go straight to him and be like, "Listen, man, if you don't fucking hit, you're sitting down or you're going back to Triple A. That's it, right?" But Mattingly be able to be a more laid back approach. It's like, come on, sweet Lou, you got it. You know what I'm saying? Try maybe try to stay back a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But I, it's just. It's just all on the approach and knowing how to push those buttons. You know what I'm saying? Just like 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 Lilo's telling you over there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like much. Brinson, this year he's hitting 240. And that's the number where, like, hitting 240, who cares? But, I mean, baseball is so crazy this season. All across baseball, the overall batting average in baseball this year is 234. So Brinson is above that. That just, like, speaks to, uh, like, how much – a whole game is like on its head this year. What a weird start it's been that even Brinson, like doesn't look like much, but he's, I mean, that's even better than the MLB average. And honestly, I think that's even better than the Marlins team average as a whole. They're just hitting 230. The fact that he's been able to do something is it's been, yeah. I mean, it's been a, a little bit better than last year. I think you just missed it that on Tuesday. So the first game of the homestand, was the one where he had a crazy throw from almost the warning track in center field that was all the way to second base on the money to get a, a Drupal Cabrera trying to stretch a single into a double. And his, I think his defense, honestly, is even better than I've ever seen it before. His arm strength, I can remember like pretty vividly early in his career. He was like a fine defensive center fielder, but he didn't really have that strong and accurate arm. And that's something that, I mean, we've only seen him for a handful of games so far this year, but it looks like that's a change that he's made. And so I'm pretty impressed with that, that he uh, is contributing in that aspect of the game. But man, we're still several weeks away to getting uh, Marte back. So uh, in the meantime, he's going to be playing a lot. Uh, also from that game on Sunday, uh, that game went to extra innings. They end up losing in tenth in the 10th on uh, Anthony Bass, who I thought pitched great. But the problem was that they got this, these extra inning rules that we got used to last year where they had the automatic runner on seconds. Uh, Bass makes like one mistake with two outs, and it's a single that ends up scoring that run that makes a difference. Uh, other than that, I mean, it was just swing and miss, swing and miss, swing and miss. Like his stuff was probably better than I'd seen it all year, and yet he gets tagged with the loss, and they end up losing that game. Uh, overall this year, you know, the Marlins have actually won most of their extra inning games. They're 3-2 and two overall with that second loss just coming on Sunday. Um, we, I mean, we probably had this conversation last year at some point, how we feel about that rule. 
But I mean, just to check in now, now that we're seeing it uh, over a full length season, we're going to have to get used to it a lot more than we did last year. And now we've got this team that has higher expectations than we had last year. So all these games, you know, they add up, they're going to really count at the end of it. Uh, when you have a game, try, try to, you know, take the fan out of it a little bit where you're not too, instead of obsessing over the fact that the Marlins lost the game, just the fact that we still have this extra inning rule that like totally changes the way the game gets played, like in those most critical moments. Uh, I, in my, my estimation, I think most fans are still against it, that they think this gimmick, it kind of, it, it, it's a mistake in that it kind of ruins the way that the game should be decided when everything is on the line in a tie game, but just to get your take on it, how are you feeling about this extra running rule now that uh, we're seeing it play out for real again? It sucks when we can't come through with runners in scoring position. That's really what it comes down to is like, who's going to get the, the, the clutch base hit and who's going to finish the game first, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, like I miss the essence of the game. Uh, you getting on base and, you know what I'm saying? Get the guy, get the guy over, you know, but, it is what it is, man. You got to keep involving with the game and we can't really do much about it. Um, even if, if MLB fans didn't want it, Rob Manfred's going to implement it. You know what I'm saying? When they do want it, he doesn't implement it. You know what I'm saying? So that's the type of Rob Manfred. That's the type of commissioner we got. Shout out to Rob, man. Thanks for listening to the barbecue. What do you want that? Only guy that orders his steak. Well done. Get out of here, Manfred. <laughs> hey man. Uh, I hope, um, Going back to his homestand, I hope that Lewis Brinson can can continue to build on his solid game, um, build that momentum that maybe we can eventually flip this guy. We can flip him. Why not, man? We build some trade value for Brent Diesel. Let's keep doing it. Isan did a great job. He connected with that freaking Grand Salami. The one time I don't tweet about if the fish hit a home run right now, get a Marley's tat. The one time I don't tweet about it, the guy hits the Grand Salami. So maybe I just don't need to tweet about it. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, but happy to see that my guy Isan freaking had a clean slate. It felt good to tweet. Come on, Isan, do something. Clean slate, baby. And he just unloaded. And it felt good that he hit it. I think it was a 377, I think it is out there to right, right center. And yeah, I think I, they could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was one of those balls that it wouldn't have gone out under the old dimensions that just bring it in a few feet that made all the difference and it like sneaking over the wall. You know, either way, it's probably like clears the bases It's a three run double. But uh, the fact that it was a grand slam, I think pretty sure is the first grand slam of his career that uh, we're, I'm pretty grateful that they had the fences in for that one, because that was that was huge for him to come through right there. He probably slept really, really good that night, huh? And, and we're on the same page with, with Brinson too, where I think that's what you hope for is that, um, I mean, as this year goes on, when Marte gets back and then more importantly, when all these other outfielders uh, kind of break through to the majors, I, I don't know. I'm sure you've noticed a little bit. You passed through Jacksonville, the home of the jumbo shrimp, where uh, right now Jesus Sanchez is kind of running that town. He's with the hottest hitter in minor league baseball right now. And we saw him a little bit in the majors last year, but I think we'll see a lot more of him. This year, he's tearing it up in AAA. He's a guy that once he comes up to the majors, they want him to get pretty close to regular playing time. And he's just got more potential ultimately than Brinson if he taps into it. J.J. Blade is not that far behind. We hope to see him by the end of the year. That I mean, you just do the math, and there's just not going to be spots really uh, to play Brinson that much. Even if you feel he's better than ever, he still has certain limitations that like these same guys, they have – that higher ceiling and that higher upside if they really tap into it. So the best thing you could hope for is that he plays well and that uh, as the season goes on, they, you know, look for an opportunity to uh, give him a change of scenery to, and maybe not so much about him, but just as a team, you know, trying to collect something in return that they could really use. I, I don't know exactly what that'd be. It'd probably just be uh, you're talking about some, a younger prospect that like helps them sustain this stuff moving forward that they just, uh, flip him for uh, just a piece of the future instead of anything that they can plug in immediately on a major league team. But uh, something is better than nothing because my theory is you probably know I was, I was pissed off when they got rid of Harold. Uh, they, they designated Harold Ramirez for assignment in February and they ended up getting nothing in return. And probably the reason why they didn't do, they did him over Brinson is that they thought Brinson had even less value at that time and they wouldn't, they didn't want to get rid of Brinson, you know, the, the, uh, the centerpiece of that 
the Yelich trade and get nothing in return. They wanted to avoid that PR as long as possible, give him every chance possible. With Harold, they didn't have the same concerns. I mean, he was a guy that they lucked into, that he showed that he could be a major league hitter, but has other limitations in his game. And when they, they essentially just chose between those guys because there's only so many outfielders that they needed at the major league level at the time. And uh, now Harold is doing pretty well in Cleveland. So, I mean, I'll send in all the best to him. But, but Brinson kind of got that shot that he didn't necessarily earn it, the fact that he was still with this team entering this season. It was just the circumstances that he was uh, acquired in that kind of gave him this long leash that seemingly nobody else has. So if he's around, and I mean, as it turns out, you know, they did need somebody up when Marte went down and they brought him up and it's been inconsistent, but right now he's in the middle of one of those high streaks, the high point in that roller coaster and just keep it up a little bit longer. And I think that's his destiny though, is that he ends up going somewhere else in uh, it's not maybe two it's months, very- maybe three months, maybe it's, maybe it's after the season, but I think, yeah, eventually that I would expect this to be his final year uh, in the Marlins organization. Lewis Brinson and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh boy. <laughs> It's probably yeah, probably the least desirable place that anybody wants to go right about it, now. It could be worse. He could head to Detroit. Detroit got Detroit is rough too. Whopping rough ten too. wins in major league, major league low. Jeez. Hey man, let's transition into our freaking starting rotation, huh? How about that? Yeah, I mean a lot of approaches to take for that. I mean, obviously the guy that I put up on the background, Eliezer Hernandez. I mean, we hope to learn in the coming days when his first minor league rehab assignment is going to come about. And uh, once he gets started on that, it might only be, I think, two starts, you'd think, in the minors in Jacksonville. Um, and then he might be back by next weekend, by the next homestands. Eliezer might be back in the rotation. A guy that got hurt very first start of the season. We've been missing him, man. Um, Honestly, you you've been so even on that train all along, and there are other people that didn't really appreciate him before he went out. They thought, uh, you know, next guy up, we think Nick Neidert could step up. They Daniel Castano could fill the void. Paul Campbell, give Paul Campbell a shot. Ooh. And we know how that goes. I mean, with all those guys kind of falling on their face, and it yeah, it just makes you appreciate, even though Eliezer is not going to be a star. Um, and he might not be with this. You're not going to look to sign him to a big contract extension, but he misses bats, man. He's got an incredible slider. He's got great control. You know, the only thing that stopped him last year was that injury. Um, and unfortunately, I think this has kind of been his career history is that he always gets slowed down by some type of issue. Uh, but thankfully this one, not as severe as it could have been, you know, the fact that he could still be back for, final three quarters of the season that's going to make a huge impact so i'm sure that you're as happy as anybody that he's kind of progressing and getting all all of a sudden you could see the finish line with him stepping back into the rotation hell yeah hell yeah i'm amped up and so should all of marley's nation like sandy's been doing a great job as a teammate pablo has been going incredible that era sparkling way under one is he still way under one it's like what 0.50 or something like that Rogers, spectacular player of the month, you know, like rookie of the month. Dude, we've been able to do it with three guys right now in our rotation. And the, the other two two spots in rotation have been bullpen pieces. Like you said it yourself, we had Paul Campbell take the ball. Like, what the hell were we doing? Like, you know, like we talked about, oh, we have all this depth. But like we were expecting like a Nick Nadar, like you said, like an Edward Cabrera, like all these other young guys. And I speculate, I can't, I can't recall his name right now, man. Um, I, maybe it was Humberto Mejia that we we called up last year. Right. And it was right. a guy that made a jump from like double A and he had from a couple high, of, from not even that high, from like what? high A from, yeah, from, from high, low that. Yeah. yeah. So like this was a guy that he had a nice curveball, by the way. Remember the nice curveball he had? And the yeah. guy came up and he he did it. It was a, obviously a COVID emergency, COVID season. It was a special occasion and whatnot. But like I'm surprised the Marlins didn't go with one of those moves and call somebody else up. Like, you know, like well, they, they can't call up him because they traded him. I know, to I know, Arizona I know. I, I'm, not saying, I'm sorry, I forgot to say that we traded him away. But I, yeah. what I was trying to refer at was like, why, why didn't they call somebody from like the lower league? You know, I know obviously the minor leagues hadn't started till just recently this week, but it would have been like a, a ludicrous option to call somebody from Double A. 
or maybe a single leg, give him an opportunity. Who's, who, who do you think maybe would have had an opportunity? Everybody's well, so amped up. With all I mean, things. the interesting thing we've seen is like Jordan Holloway got called up with the injuries and uh, he might be pitching tonight as we're recording this. So he's definitely going to pitch in this upcoming series these next couple of days. He hasn't given up a run yet, but they've been using him out of the bullpen. Uh, last time out, they stretched him out to three innings. So a plant, it, it, he's a fascinating guy because because he is someone that I think a lot of prospect evaluators said that he's ultimately going to be a reliever, that he just does not have the control to, to be a starter. And he's kind of proving people wrong because he made some interesting changes to his stuff. He added an entirely kind of a new pitch, a new slider, a second breaking ball on top of the great fastball he already had, the great curveball he already had. And that's kind of been like his main pitch all this year we've now seen him, I think five times. And again, going to see him coming up pretty soon. He's a guy that was exactly in the same position that Mejia was in. He had never pitched above a ball before above high. A. He's he skipped two levels to jump onto this roster and uh, they can't send him down because he's getting everybody out because he hasn't allowed a run yet. They got a weird, they got a very interesting decision to make with him coming up uh, pretty soon uh, tonight. Uh, as we're recording this, we're definitely going to see, this new guy they just called up uh, yesterday, Luis Madero. Luis Madero, they picked up in free agency. I mean, he was someone that used to be a highly regarded prospect, sort of, you know, uh, someone that in the the Angels thought could eventually be a factor in the back end of their rotation. He's uh, he, he's still only, he's even younger than Holloway. He's only 24 years old, even though he was a free agent when they picked him up. And we just didn't get to see a whole lot of him. He only pitched one game at, in Jacksonville before getting his shot. And he's already kind of stretched out, almost stretched out to be a starter. So he's going to get uh, this latest opportunity until the rotation fully fills out again. Uh, the, the one other guy, they, aside from the ones you've mentioned already, who missed out a little bit on an opportunity is George Guzman. I mean, George Guzman, back in 2019, when we got the full minor league season, he actually he pitched more innings than like any other Marlins prospect that year. So he was a guy that showed his durability and showed his consistency. And uh, unfortunately he had an, I think an elbow issue in the spring and he had a little setback. And at this moment, he's kind of in the same spot as Sixto is where he's throwing again, but he's not even on a minor league roster yet. He's still several weeks away. And in fact, they just moved him. They transferred him to the long injured list, the 60 day IL. So he's not even eligible to come up for uh, another few weeks. And I mean, I guess the last guy that comes to mind is Braxton Garrett. I mean, we saw him last year. Uh, speaking of like nasty curveballs, he's got a beautiful curveball as well. And we saw him for a couple starts last season. He was someone that got a little bit of double A experience at the end of the last season. But I think overall, the opinion of the organization is he needed a little bit more seasoning to start off this year before they stick him in the rotation right now. So it's just really inconvenient timing for, for Garrett where there's this obvious opportunity for him, but thinking about the long term and what's best for him, eventually the team is projecting that he could be like a, a mid-rotation guy, hopefully someday, and really make a significant impact if if he spends like a, a little bit more time in the minors and fine-tunes what he's got. So he missed out, unfortunately, on this opportunity. All this all this circles back to though this thing that I was kind of pounding the table about during the offseason, I thought they needed to add another veteran starter. I thought they could have, they should have anticipated having more injuries than usual in a year like this, right? When you're going from a tiny season to a full length one that pitchers have never been through this before. And that inevitably they're going to be guys that you miss out because of that. So they signed Gio Gonzalez after months and months of me saying, you got to add somebody They signed Gio. And then, you know, three weeks later, he hangs it up and best of luck to him they just didn't do anything to replace him or upgrade over him for that type of, you know, veteran guy that you can one your rotation news just came out today that uh, Anibal Sanchez is going to be pitching um, in the coming weeks, but not for a major league team. He's going to be with, um, I think his, his Venezuelan national team to help them qualify for the Olympics. So for whatever reason, the Marlins and no other team uh, made a major league offer to Anibal. So he's still out there. It's just those type of guys that they could have, potentially looked at in March, Anibal and Rick Porcello, or uh, they could have just been really aggressive trying to make a trade with another team that was rebuilding, try to acquire a veteran that way. Um, if you spend a little bit of money to take on a contract 
and uh, they didn't do it. So honestly, I think that's kind of the bottom line is they're regretting not listening to me, not going after somebody. That doesn't mean that that veteran pitcher was going to be a success, but the fact that they didn't really try once Gio retired, I think uh, we're seeing right now that it's been a crazy scramble to try to fill that void. Come on, Kim. I know you're listening, Kim. Kim Kim's a real one. She likes his steak uh, medium raw. <laughs> I'm sorry. I always say it. I always get that wrong. It's medium, medium rare. rare. <laughs> yes. I don't I'm, I don't. I don't judge people that much. I'm. I'm a medium guy. Sometimes a medium well. Sometimes a little bit more than medium. So I don't really judge people based on uh, how they like it cooked. But yeah, I, I come uh, growing up. Growing up, that was in my household. Medium rare was what everybody was asking for. So. She's uh she's that type of woman for sure. Hey man, listen, going back to the whole pinching thing, I completely agree. We should definitely got a freaking a veteran. Kim dropped the the ball. I don't know why we didn't spend any money. Well, we, I want to got... just don't blame it all on Kim. I think I'm sure that she wanted to add better players. I think any GM wants to add as many good players as they want, but you know, you need ownership to buy in too. You need ownership to like sign off on you spending X amount of money for this pitcher especially if you're a first time gm very first offseason coming out of a pandemic so i think uh for me i think my questions go to ownership and how much they're committed to winning this year you know i just i feel so like terrible like no disrespect to that wiley but why the hell are we giving the ball to that wiley Give, go call up max meyer man you know what I'm saying? If this kid got drafted so high and he's ready and he's polished, you got Manly talking marvels about him and JJ Blade. Like right now, those are probably like arguably the best prospects right now. And I don't know who's going to make it first to the big leagues. And then they're both like right there. I'm so excited. And I think JJ Blade might make it first, but, but, but that's just because number 51 is wide open for him now. You know what I'm saying? It only makes sense. Shout out to Floro for moving over to 36 and doing a good job out of the bullpen. But come on, man. Why not give the ball to Max Meyer? Let's do it. Let's rock and roll, dude. Let's rock and roll. Like, let's get these. You say let the kids play. Let them develop. Let let them get banged up. And they got to get banged up. And I'm saying not, not let them get Jordan Yamamoto. You know what I'm saying? Get up 12 <laughs> right, runs right. or none of that. But you know what I'm yeah. saying? But, like, slowly but surely, like, how you doing it with Holloway? Shout out to Holloway. Holloway. He kicking ass, baby. Keep doing it, young boy, young stud. Pounding the zone with that freaking fastball and that nice knuckle curve, bro. That knuckle curve, bro. I haven't seen such a nice knuckle curve since like the AJ Burnett days on a Marlins mound. Uh, you, you know who um also just came back to the states? Uh, I think just today, uh, Adam Conley. Adam Conley was committed to sign in Japan for this season, but uh, they had some complications with the like COVID situation over there where. Um, I, I don't think he's spoken publicly about exactly what the issue is, but he had like a right to opt out of his contract if he wasn't happy with uh, the way that COVID was being handled over there and the restrictions being placed on the players. So he never even pitched in Japan, even though he signed months ago. He just opted out and he got a minor league deal from the Rays. So he is... I'm always afraid when the Rays sign somebody like that, you know, I mean, the Marlins were through with him. He needed to change the scenery, all that. But when the Rays show interest in you, it, it makes me worried. It makes me worried uh, that they're going to tap into his potential. Uh, and for the first time, uh, it's going to be uncomfortable to see him in, in their uniform. It's a minor league deal. You know, he's not up there yet. He still needs to actually work on some things and get adjusted to the situation. But Adam Conley back in the U.S. And uh, potentially we may see him later this season. Oh, man. I already see it now, man. Adam Conley freaking all-star for the race. Let me go get a beer, man. Cut the commercials. Get out of here. Here at Fish Stripes, we are celebrating two months of partnership with Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when those teams win. Use your knowledge about MLB, the NFL, or the NBA to buy low, sell high, make those profits. Uh, Symbol has market analysis directly on their site. And on Fish Stripes, we do some of our own about the Marlins and specifically the other NL East teams. So that gets you comfortable with the platform and smooths that learning curve so that you can be successful with Symbol. Join more than 2,000 early adopters who have already started to invest. Visit www.simbull.app symbol.app, to create your free account. When you make that first deposit, make sure to use the promo code FISHSTRIPES, all one word, FISHSTRIPES, 
$10 deposit bonus when you do that. The current Sim Marlins share price is $28.44. So visit symbol.app, use that promo code FISHSTRIPES for your $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know, invest in sports. From here, let's just make sure we cover the guys that have been leading the rotation that have been making this work. I mean, you shouted them out, Sandy and Pablo and Trevor, that they've been kind of, I mean, we had high expectations for all those guys, especially for for Sandy and Pablo after seeing what they did last year. And all of them are, I mean, they're better, man. It's, It's really fantastic that all of them are even better than we saw last year, making subtle improvements. You know, Sandy has this changeup that all of a sudden he trusts it as much as anything else. And he's getting all these batters to look silly swinging at it. Uh, Pablo is just, it's even more than what we saw last year. Like he's, he's just so consistent with his stuff. He makes his adjustments from game to game. He, uh, and he has, I mean, he's allowing even fewer runs than Sandy is to this point of the year. Trevor is the one, the NL rookie of the month that, he, I mean, his, his raw stuff is like right up there with Sandy's, except it comes from the left side. He's, he's even taller than Sandy is. And he creates that like uncomfortable arm angle too, that hitters haven't figured out yet. And I mean, he is, he's every bit as deserving of being that rookie of the month. And they probably have plans to like try to manage Trevor's innings. This is his first like full major league season. They want to be careful with him. He's just making it, uh, he's making it very clear that he is not slowing down anytime soon. And he, he, he wants to go for that rookie of the year award. He wants to go for an all-star selection. He wants to go for everything in his first full year, only 23 years old, Trevor. I mean, in Pablo 25 and Sandy 25 that, I, I mean, no matter what your expectations were for these three, they are kind of blowing past them so far. And they've been They've been needed, you know. They've needed every bit of those guys to to stay around in this current playoff race. I think that's the whole beauty of this Marlins rotation. Like you said it yourself, Sandy, Pablo kicking ass, Rogers doing what he's doing as a rookie. The electricity he's bringing on the mound is so great to see. Like right now, you look at the Marlins rotation as a whole compared to everybody in Major League Baseball. We have a three sixteen ERA. 316 ERA, man, that's pretty damn good. And 293 and two uh, two thirds of an inning, they have 295 strikeouts. That says a lot. You know what I'm saying? That's that's only three of these guys. Not, you know, they're adding the little numbers here and there with with all the relievers in that. But I'm talking about these starting three. Like once we get Lilo back, once we get Sixto back, like once we get the health back on our side on the fish side, the season's gonna get so much more exciting. Because, you know, Sixto's going to bring it. You know, Lilo's going to bring it. You know, Lilo's inching to get back on the mound. You know, Rodgers, can he keep it up? Can he really go and freaking win another Rookie of the Year award for the Marlins organization? Why the hell not? Everybody was betting on Sixto. Everybody's betting on Jazz. Anything can really happen. Like, the Marlins got three players right now that have, like, a legitimate shot at winning it. And Sixto hasn't even started the season. So go figure, you know. Um, it feels damn good to talk about these Miami Marlins. And I got to confess, man, when, while we were playing the Brewers, I tried every single time I could to put the, the Brewers broadcast just to listen to Bob Uecker talk about the Marlins. <laughs> you know, how cool is that? You know what I'm saying? The guy from Major League Baseball talking about your favorite baseball team. And, 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 and this one phrase he said, oh, the Marlins had like a, a – offensive outburst and he was like well the marlins this inning you know they got a triple or single or double home run well really the marlins have done it all you know <laughs> it was just like yeah man i love that and it feels good that, that other teams are recognizing that the marlins are playing good baseball shout out to miguel rojas who's done a hell of a job i remember the the, the second game the, the the series that i went to i was looking at his average and i wasn't too impressed you know it was in like the 260s it was okay right and then he just went on, on a tear and and then i tweeted and it was like all right he was batting like 290s. I don't know what he's batting now, but he's like 280, 290, and he's doing a hell of a job. So shout out to Mickey Rowe for, for leading the, the the squad, you know, uh, on the field with the bat. He made a hell of a diving play with his glove. You know, it feels really good to see him. He, I think he shortchanged himself one time when he said that players that he can compare himself to or that he admired were uh, Marco Scuderu. Scuderu, remember? Uh, yeah. Another Venezuelan. Uh 
I think Miguel Rojas has, has a higher ceiling, bro. Like, it's there. He's really tapping into it. He's going super sane mode, and let's just do it. Let's turn it up. Um, yeah. No, I saw so many uh, smart people that I respect saying that uh, after what he did last year, I mean, last year was incredible, that they saw him as he was going to come down to earth, that he was an obvious regression candidate, that he could not keep it up, uh, adding everything, like just his age, but his history prior to 2020, his, um, you just look, you dive into the numbers and it just didn't look like he was doing anything special. And I don't think if people don't watch him every day, they don't really realize how it is that he gets it done. And he's doing almost the exact same thing this year. It's almost at that same incredible level that it was last year. And obviously the big question is going to be whether he can keep it up. One of my bold predictions beginning this year was that by the end of the year, he might not be an everyday player that I think jazz could bump him off a shortstop and potentially they might have Eson and jazz as the regular guys up the middle and, and Miggy just plugging holes wherever, wherever he can. But uh, Miggy didn't necessarily agree with that. Obviously that he's, he's now been one of the best players on the team in this early going, he's been doing it so much respect for him because he, he's not a guy that was kind of blessed with having this really strong and durable body. Like you could see him, he, he picks up all these minor injuries and he just plays through them as best he can. Uh, you know, he couldn't play through COVID last year. They didn't let him play through COVID. He kind of wanted to, if, if he, I'm sure he's, he's a guy that wants to play through everything. And um, under other circumstances uh, earlier this month, uh, I guess it was at the end of April that uh, if jazz was healthy, if Marte was healthy, maybe he would have been a guy that gets a few days of rest uh, to heal up what, you know, he had an issue with his hip. I think he had some soreness in his, his forearm or his elbow. You could see him like getting treatment for it during the game. And after the game, it's just that he understands that he's got a responsibility to this team. And he, uh, he has a belief in himself that he could put this stuff in the back of his mind. And one, once the game is going on, uh, he can still perform at the highest level possible. Even with these, these are real excuses for other players that other in other situations, these guys get sat down, they really get taken care of. But with him, he's just so important to the team on the fields, especially right now that he's uh, grinding through it, man. Uh, I want to give a, a shout out to uh, Jeremy Tache, who for this season, aside from swings and misses, he's working with uh, Bally Sports Florida. And he recently floated the idea of calling Miggy Senior Marlin as a riff on, uh, on Mr. Marlin, given the, the Venezuelan twist on that. How much, how much uh, consideration are we giving to that nickname? I, for me personally, I think Miggy Rowe is just fine. I don't think you need to really uh, draw upon that like historical example. I don't think you want to, uh, you want to be more original. And but that was one he floated out there, and I think Miggy took notice of it too. What, what do we think about Senor Marlin as a nickname? I mean, it sounds it sounds cool. You know what I'm saying? And, and Miggy, you can argue that he he's earned that. And uh, I was like, I remember when I first listened to it and I was sitting here, I was like thinking, I was like, Senor, Senor Marlin, and I'm thinking Senor Rojas. And I was like, I was like, yeah, it sounds cool, Senor Rojas. And I'm like, no, wait a minute, it's Senor Marlin. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it's going to stick or not. I'm cool with the Miggy, Miggy Rowe, like you're saying, too. Um, and, and I think he's got to at least bring a championship here if you're going to do all that. Senor, yeah. Senor like, Marlin. Yeah, I mean, as much as we appreciate what Biggie's doing right now, it's just, yeah, the overall body of work, it's not yet on the same level. We could call him Senor Sneakers, Sneaker Marlin, Senor Sneaker Marlin. Marlin. (laughs) Yeah, I think he he would like that. He takes a lot of pride in what he, on his his footwear, for sure. Speaking of foots and footsteps, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go on a rant. I need the Marlins to turn it up on the freaking base pass, dude. How is it possible for us to be getting picked off so many freaking times at first base? I don't I don't have the exact I don't know if there's a stat that we can look up of pickoffs, but the stat that I was able to find was caught ceiling. The Marlins have been caught ceiling six times. All right. And those six times, Corey Dickerson has been picked off three times. All right. John Birdie, Monte Harrison. It's like, come on, my guys. Miguel Rojas, Marte. You know what I'm saying? Like each of those, I can understand guys having one. I let it slide with one. But when you have three, two, you need to concentrate more on base, dude. What are you thinking about? Yeah. Like, I got no the way. stat for you. I got the stat. This year, they've been picked off six times as a team, and that's tied for the most in baseball. Yeah. More than exactly. any other team in the National League. Yeah. And, 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 and what's crazy was, Eli, 
Like, it's so crazy. I'm watching the game, and I'm like, yo, Marlins just need to do a better job getting a better lead. Like, they just look so suspect at first. And right when I say, boom, pike picked off. Like, bro, it's like they're listening to us. It's not just Siri and our smartphones, you know? <laughs> like, dude, it was really crazy, and it was frustrating at the same time. Like, and, and it, it's kind of throwing out a, a, a flag. Like, you know, if, we, if we're struggling with runners in scoring position and we're struggling to – try to keep guys on base it's we're not helping the cause when we're getting picked off so i don't know who, who's in charge of that um but we need to we need to work a little bit more on that fish that's my only rant on that um transitioning to good spirits you know shout out to jesus aguilar um i remember the bullpen game and uh, holloway came in after uh, uh he was a second reliever in the game and i think it was maybe somewhere around the fifth inning fifth and fifth or seventh inning and um, Holloway made a nice pitch and it was a, a single towards the right side past the first baseman, Jesus Aguilar, right? If Jesus would have dove for it, he would have caught the ball. I think he would have definitely caught the ball. I'm sitting there by first base and I'm like, Amo Jesus, tira de! You know what I'm saying? Which basically is like, come on, Jesus, you gotta die for that. And like his face was like, really dog? Like he, he did this, he took off the glove and he like pointed it towards me and he was like, you want to play? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think I pushed the button in the sense like he thought about it. It was like, I would have dove. That's what I was like, I would have dove. After he did the whole glove thing, I would have dove for it. You know what I'm saying? Like I would at least try it. And I was a little bit bummed out about it because I was, I was being overly optimistic, a little bit of a homer. I was like, what the hell is a bullpen game? When's the last time somebody threw a combined no-no? Let's do it, Fish. And then I was kind of short-changed because I felt like, dang, Hollywood was pitching so good. And then, Jesus, man, tira <laughs> Yeah, I remember that play. I remember for sure that, that uh, yeah, that's, that's one, like, limitation in his game sometimes. He, he's, uh, he's giving his all-out effort, but he's got some – yeah, even with the the diet the slimming down a little bit, there's still some things that uh, you can't quite get to as much as other players, but you live with it. You live with it because his bat, uh, they're going back on the road right now. And the last time they were on the road, he was the one that carried them on that trip. He had six home runs in one road trip. Uh, I don't know if he's going to do that again, but they're going to need a, a few of those to to keep them, uh, to make sure that this road trip still like, keeps them in the mix. And he's been huge for that. I mean, he, he kind of very quietly, he's just changed as a hitter because people remember him. He still looks the same as he did a few years ago with the Brewers when he was hitting 36 home runs and he was an all-star. I don't think he's going to hit home runs that consistently uh, for a whole season. He's kind of changed a little bit where um, he just, he knows the strike zone better than ever before. His discipline in the zone is better than it used to be. And he, he's just so good at situational hitting and putting the bat on the ball that even when he's not hitting it out, he's making those really key plays to, to move runners along. I mean, as we're recording, is he still leading the national league in RBIs? If not, he's awfully close to that just because of what he does. Like no matter what the situation is that he makes adjustments to that. And I mean, this is a guy that, I don't the, remember that the Marlins got him because the Rays cut him loose. If it seemed like the Rays didn't think that he had anything left to give, um, I don't even think the Rays were totally wrong about that. Like they saw the guy he was in 2019 and um, they thought he was kind of out of juice uh, for the type of player that he was. And, and to his credit, the reason why is not just making changes to his body. He's made some changes to that, but just the changes in his approach. He keeps working on his craft. So he kind of, you don't really, his personality doesn't give that off. He seems like such a laid back guy and uh, such a casual guy, the every man you want, he's so easy to relate to, but he puts in the work too. And he puts in, he really studies his craft to continue getting better. The Marlins look so, they look so smart for picking him up. And uh, I don't know how long he's going to stay with the organization. They got these, another prospect in the pipeline and Lewin Diaz. And I'm really high on him. Uh, we know Garrett Cooper can play first base if need be, but but Aguilar has been uh, he, he has been so worth the money, worth so much more than the money that they've been giving him last year and even more so so far this year. Yeah, he's currently tied with Javi Baez in the National League with 25 runs batted in. Shout out to Jesus, baby. Arepas over Arugula. Or is it Arugula over Arepas? I forget. <laughs> Yeah, he, he kind of did a reversal. But, oh, during the offseason, it was the arugula first, and then, yeah, switching back 
to uh, what what makes him happy. He, he's just. He just he just has such a positive energy, such a happy go jolly guy on the field. Like you see him in person, like you can see it on TV, you know, when the camera captures it. But you see him the whole time. You keep your eyes on him. He's always like busting balls, laughing with the umpire, the catcher, the pitcher, the opposite team, like the bench guys, whoever. Like he's always the, he's he's heckling it with the fans. Like it, that's it's a good it's the way you see him play, man. The way the way he's so comfortable being in the Miami Marlins organization says a lot, and it's translating onto the field so shout out to jesus aguilar shout out to the marlins front office for that nice scoop up um i talked about this i was amped up when he came over from the rays um because i knew that when he was in milwaukee he, he had a beast season and when he got to tampa he was a little bit you know uh flustered out of, out of gas he he'd played in the winter winter leagues in venezuela he talked about it himself and and i knew like when he came over to the marlins he didn't play winter league that year and he was ready to recharge the battery, so to speak, and come back 100%. And I think this is the Jesus Aguilar that the Marlins knew that they were going to sign. And I'm thrilled that we have this guy right now being the leader in the clubhouse, leader in the, in the lineup. He's got 25 RBIs leading National League, the Marlins as well. And uh, right behind them is only Adam Duvall. I think Duvall has 21 21 runs batted in for the Marlins. After that, man, everybody else is like 10 RBIs behind. So that tells you about that big-ass series Duvall had against the Braves when he came back. Duvall! And he went off, and he started to stroke the ball, bro. The way well, the way he's hitting the ball, even the outs he's getting. Like, he hit one um, during one of the many games that I was able to watch at Lone Depot Park. <laughs> It was so great to see the game up close again, man. But when he drilled that ball over at the shortstop and he and made a, a weird hop, dude, he drilled that. He hit it over like, a, like I think it was like over 95 miles an hour. So, like, that's telling you that the guy's choking it. Um, he's not on the Giancarlo stratosphere of it. But, damn, he's doing a pretty good job. And you can tell when guys are starting to rip the ball good. Shout out to the to the catchers that have been able to keep it together. Chad Wallach and Sandy Leon, they haven't been able to do much offensively. But, damn, Sandy's giving us something, at least with the rotation. And uh, yeah, Wally's at least been very first game that Sandy played. He got what, two hits or three hits in that very first game. And since then, oh boy. I mean, I think entering this game, he's like one for his last 22. You know, he's, he's kind of, he is what he is. He is what he is. He's been filling the gap. Uh, Alfaro do back uh, by the end of this week, by the end of this weekend, he just needs to get in a couple of rehab games, make sure he's able to catch, make sure he's able to run out of the box with his hamstring but uh, he'll be back soon. And then um, we'll see what they do. They either have to send down Wallach because they could do that. They could actually send him to AAA or they got to um, potentially put uh, Sandy on waivers where uh, maybe he'll probably get through waivers. They probably get to keep him either way, but that'll be an interesting decision because they got to keep one of those guys on the roster and it'll be, uh, um, I'm not sure how you choose between them because both of them, they do some good and uh, they, they have a lot of limitations as well. Yeah, I would, I personally like if, if it comes down to the the options and, and Wally's got an option that you can send them down without the chance of losing them, then send them down. You know what I'm saying? I know that you, you have Sandy up here, and then if he has to go to waivers, there's a slight chance that you might lose them, and you really don't want to give yourself the luxury of losing another catcher right now, which we don't really have, because if something happens to Alfaro or Wally, who we're going to call up Banfield, we're going to rush him up. <laughs> You know what I mean? So uh, Brian Brian Navarretto is off to a really hot start in Jacksonville. Hot start rapping. He's always yeah. rapping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, hey, cue the rap, baby. Cue the rap. He's uh, yeah. He's a, he's a fun guy. He's a new father too. Shout out to him. He, uh, he was away from the team for uh, a little bit this spring welcoming, I think his first child. So congrats to him. And uh, he's got daddy strength. He's, he's hit a couple home runs already in uh, Jacksonville, but his defense is uh, more of a big question compared to those other guys. Well, we, we, I mean, he's the, he's the, yeah, he's that other guy. He's probably the fourth guy in the catcher equation. It's a long season, you know, uh, unfortunately catcher is a position where you, it lends itself to injuries. So you sometimes you, in most cases, you need four catchers to make it through the full season they talk though, to without COVID concerns and all that, just normal injuries. Yeah. It's a tough position. Okay, man, give me the scoop. What do we know about, Gisardo, 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 Ernest Arrington Chisholm Jr. 
aka jazz baby the blue haired guy speaking of the blue hair dude why are we selling hats with blue hairs on them we need to say black uh, hats with blue hair on them at marlins park or at fishstripes.com or something like that so that the freaking fans can rock out that jazz chism hair jazz we need you back baby baby come back you know who brought that red garcia brought that up just a few days ago he said you know that's what's missing he was at he was at one of those games too i think i think he was at one of the games uh this past week and he said you know they're missing something here they're not doing quite enough with all these likable players they have and i mean jazz is at the top of that list when he's healthy and he's almost healthy you know he's on the same track as alfaro we'll be seeing him by the time the team comes home again we'll probably see him by the end of this weekend if his uh quick rehab goes fine that yeah, they need to do more. I mean, it's hard to find a Jazz Chisholm jersey to buy if you want to support him that way. That uh, that, that's something coming up on the pod. Right? I want to be sure to get. I want to get some answers to that from the from the team or from uh, Fanatics because Fanatics is like their official uh, me- like merchandise apparel partner. That uh, we want to get some answers as to why it's so hard to get stuff for like the best players on the team. It's pretty easy to get like a Jose Orania jersey from last year. It's pretty easy to get a Lewis Brinson. No offense to Brinson, but not, quite the, same, not quite the same status. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the same status as some of these other guys. But so that that's something to, uh, that's a teaser that just for the people that know, because I've gotten that question from more than a few people about uh, what's going on with the merch situation and making sure we're promoting these young stars that I'll try to get some answers on that. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Eli Sussman going down. Detective Sussman, baby. All right, man. Talk to me about this road trip series and we'll we'll bounce. We'll get out of here. We got D-Bags Dodgers. Ten games. Talk to me. What do you expect? Four games against the D-Bags. We taking how many are we taking? I mean, the D-backs come into this. They've been terrible lately. They've lost, what, six in a row. Like, the Marlins are the ones that kind of sent them on a downward spiral. They were, as of this time a week ago, they were one of the best offensive teams in baseball. And uh, all that has kind of been crashing down because they're missing their best player, Cattell Marte. And um, honestly, their second best player right now is probably our old friend, Zach Gallen. And he's going through a little bit of a cold stretch so that's going to be the key that I don't think the Marlins will, will sweep the D-backs, but they have a good opportunity to win the series. If Zach Gallon continues to uh, really struggle with his uh, location, that he's been, he hasn't been quite the same as he was last season when he had a big breakout for them uh, during the shortened season. So that game will be key. That I can't wait for that. That's going to be the Wednesday game, a matchup between Zach Gallon and Trevor Rogers. You think more than a few people are going to be interested in seeing that, or do I have that right? Yeah, you have that right. You have that right. Also, so that, that, that's going to be an incredible matchup to see. Uh, but I mean, honestly, there's a lot of similarities between these teams and the challenges they have. Um, the Marlins are better right now, even with their injuries. Like you just feel so confident about those guys we mentioned in the rotation. Uh, aside from Sandy's not going to be in this series, but we'll see both Pablo in his first game and then Trevor coming up. Um, and then those two question marks for these other games where they don't really have a starting pitcher that at least for them, um, for both those games with Pablo and Trevor, I think, but Pablo, it's crazy how he just has not been getting any run support. So maybe this is the final opportunity where that evens out for them, where they finally score runs on a day where he pitches great. I think they're due for that. So at the very least, they they need to be expecting to win half of the games in this series, two of the four. Um, but I don't think it's a stretch to say that they have an opportunity to win three out of four. I mean, the key, one of the key guys to watch in this series is Rojas because for whatever reason, you look at his career numbers. He plays better against the D-backs than anybody else. Like it's off the charts. I mean, he obviously did have this great series on the last homestand, but even days back further than that, you could go back to 2019, 2018, 2017, that he's been, this is one of his favorite teams to play for whatever reason, no matter who's wearing that uniform. So he's going to be pretty big. And I mean, I have no idea what to expect from the Dodgers series because the Dodgers have been almost as cold as the D-backs have been. I mean, early in the season, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about the D- the Dodgers as being once again the favorites to repeat as World Series champs. They were winning almost every single game, and now they've lost like ten out of their last fifteen. That they they have a couple of key guys missing from injuries, but for the most part, it's kind of been head scratching. That they're not doing anything right the way that they're supposed to. That their uh, their bullpen has been shaky. Their defense has been shaky. Their offense has been really 
mediocre, just like almost in every facet of the game, the Dodgers have been slumping. So it's, it's, I've always had trouble, like knowing what to expect from that. When you see a team that, you know, they're so much better than they're doing, but are they kind of overdue to really snap out of that against you? And it could be bad timing for the Marlins, just catching them at a time where it's all coming together, or could it be a situation where uh, the Marlins are just are kind of lucky and they're actually bouncing in to this team at a time where they're really vulnerable. Uh, but I mean, overall, I mean, the one thing that sticks out with the Dodgers is uh, they have an off day as we're recording on Monday. They got another off day coming up on Thursday. They have, so they have two off days heading into this series, like in the span of four days, they're going to be so well rested, I imagine. And uh, that makes me kind of pessimistic. So honestly, yeah, the, Mar- the, the Marlins will probably just hope to get one game out of that series against the Dodgers, just because they're, they're so, it's just a big disparity in, you know, the talent that they have available right now. Uh, even if maybe Jazz and Alfaro make it back for the very end of that series, but it doesn't look like they'll be there for the entire Dodgers series. So that's a big factor. So ultimately, as is usually the case, it's going to come down to the final series of the road trip where you think they should take at least two against the D-backs hoping to take one against the Dodgers. If the difference between having, you know, a winning road trip, a successful road trip and not is going to be how they do, you know, the final leg of this. And I am blinking at the moment who they play the Phillies, that final leg of this road trip coming up uh, over a week from now. Yeah. Let me double check that. Yep. Play three games against the Phillies in Philadelphia. And I mean, that's so far away that I don't even want to get too much into what to predict from that. I think we just kind of fall back on, um, on what we know about in recent years, how the Marlins have owned the Phillies. They got their number. So uh, for whatever reason, you, you hope that will continue. But as we get closer, we'll get a better idea of how those guys match up. So, I mean, I'm, I'm always the one that comes in a little pessimistic on this stuff. I would think that they're going to end up going, it should be better than the last road trip, but you know, four and six is probably the most likely one. And uh, as long as they win a couple games against the Phillies, uh, I mean, those are the ones that are the most important is making sure you win against the guys that you're competing against in this division. The division is so close. The division is somehow is still winnable, even though the Marlins have had this adversity that they faced on their own early in the year. So that's going to be the key is that hopefully by the time that final leg of the road trip, we get jazz is back to hundred percent. Alfaro is back to hundred percent. Eliezer, maybe, maybe Eliezer finally gets uh, the final game of that series. Eh, eh, that seems like a little unlikely, but holding out hope that he's back as soon as possible in some role. So that's what I got for that road trip. I need, I need minimum five W's. I need the minimum to get 500 on this 10 game road trip. I think it's possible. It's possible. I think that's uh, probably the best case scenario. Is ideal, six, ideal six. six. Ideal yeah. for me would be six when you got Pablo, Trevor, Sandy coming up. Definitely. You need you need those five wins. You need to be greedy and you need to expect a W each time those guys are on the mound, period. When we get Lilo back, it's just, you know what I'm saying, it, it, it's just extra. It's, it's going to be lovely, whatever we can get out of him. And, uh, man, we got to tread water. We got to keep treading water to that. That rotation is back to 100%. Um, can't wait to see jazz back and you know what i can't i can't wait for our fish to be back at a hundred percent that's right we have everybody back we're gonna well, kick even more ass. That, that that's gonna be my final word on this is just make sure people realize the challenges of this season that uh there's you look around the league there's just more injuries overall than ever i don't think the team's ever going to be a hundred percent healthy at the same time i mean there's there's my guy jeff brigham you remember jeff brigham he has like disappeared off the face of the earth they put him on the injured list at the start of the year and uh no updates on him recently so it, it's not just him but in terms of there's there's just so many guys to try to manage under these circumstances dealing with the situation they've never dealt with before due to the differences and the length of the season that uh you can never count on them being hundred percent. It's just, you want the key players to obviously be performing at their best that this team, they had the upside when, when Sixto is healthy and when Starling is healthy and when jazz is healthy, those guys on their best, when they're at their best, they could be superstars. They could be the best players. Well, not, not, I don't want to get expectations too crazy, but they could be their all-star caliber players. They're guys that are among the best at their positions when things are going right. That's the thing that this team was lacking, honestly, for, throughout this whole rebuild. I mean, that's the thing. They've just been lacking some star power. And uh, finally, this is the year, year four of the rebuild, where that star power is there. 
because of some of the talent they've acquired in those trades, like Sixto, like Starling, like Jazz, and just because of the work these guys put in, uh, in terms of Pablo and Sandy, where they just keep getting better. They keep, there's so much credit goes to them and uh, the rest of the organization for finding them their ways to keep evolving and adjusting and tapping into the best versions of themselves. So it's going to be a fun ride the rest of the way. Speaking of uh, tapping into talent, superstar players, like I'm going out on a limb, call them superstar players, but this is superstar talent. Shout out to the front office. I don't know who was Gary Dembo or whoever Gary Dembo's hiring, who's underneath you, your scouting team, dude. Shout out to them because you remember the feel good story of Trevor Richards, the guy that was making beers. He was a brewer. And now we got oh, yeah. Mania. He, was, he wasn't a he, brewer. He was working he was in like not, the not a Milwaukee, he, he wasn't he was a working. Milwaukee brewer. That's not what I meant to say, but no, like, you no, know, he, like a brewer. He, <laughs> He was working. He was working. I think in the gift shop of a brewery in uh, in the Midwest. Yeah, he was. He, he wasn't. He wasn't actually involved in uh in making the product. He was. He was just part of the staff. But yeah, go on. Well, damn. Well, what I was getting at is they got the guy part of the staff and shit. And then I was trying to get to Anthony Bender. The guy was out yes. making deliveries. So what I'm trying to say is shout out to the scouting team because they're finding guys like delivery boys or dudes in the gift shops. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's beautiful. That's the beauty of their life. Like that, that sounds like a whole movie, just writing a whole movie, like a little short or something about these guys and how they got to the big leagues. It's like the rookie, you know what I'm saying? Like the old ass rookie was 40 years old. He made it to the, to the big leagues. All right, man, this is Alex Contreras alongside Eli Sussman. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Marlins Barbecue. Hey, uh, Eli, I think your steak's done. <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs>